tribe of Judah became the Lamb of God on your behalf so that you can become a child of God. This is the good news. This is the one who's worthy of your worship. Hello. Oh, man. Come and open my water before him. I'm a water drinker. I get that from my mama. Oh, well, I'm, I'm very excited to share the word of the Lord with you today. Um, the Lord has been, you know, as I was preparing this message over the last few weeks, not knowing it was going to be a message, but, you know, the Lord starts showing you different things and giving you revelation as you're looking for things. Um, I told Tom, I have a sermon brewing, but um, I wasn't sure, and so I'm hoping to be able to put it together for you today, but it's, it, as I was, was doing that, I realized that this sermon didn't start this last week or a couple years ago, but this has been um, my story. This has been the call and the burning desire of my heart my entire life. And so I'm really hoping I can hold it together because this message, um, I believe, will change your life and so many people's lives. Yeah, I'll probably need those. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. I, you know, some of us get to hear Tom's story a lot, but I don't always get to share mine. And uh, I know my mom is watching online right now, so I want to forewarn her because I'm sorry. <laughs> She's telling me sometimes when I share my story, um, it can affect other people. You know, if that makes sense. There's a part of my story I haven't shared with everybody in this room. But it goes directly into the ministry of Jesus. Um, when I was 12 years old, my family had a tragedy, a tragedy that affected us deeply. My mom's brother um, became mentally ill and struggled for several years, resulting in him taking his own life. And what's interesting about this is I would say I was barely saved at this point. Like I went to Awanas, but I hadn't really encountered the Lord because I got saved when I was 13. But when I was 12 years old, and my family was going through this, and if you've ever, I know so many people have experienced mental illness crises in their family. And our whole family was in turmoil. And unfortunately, we didn't have the hope that I have now, um, that I found in Jesus Christ. And so our family didn't know what to do, and so we were going through this as a whole family. And... I had these dreams at 12 years old. And I couldn't understand why until just a few even months ago. I was 12 years old and I had dreams of my uncle taking his life before he took his life. And I went to my family and to my mom and I told them, I, I don't know, but I have this feeling that he's gonna take his life. My whole family fought really hard to fight to keep him in the mental institution and not letting him get out because we knew that he probably would. And when he got out, sure enough, a few months later, he did. And I couldn't understand at 12 years old, I felt so like personally responsible. How come I couldn't do more? Why did God show me these things when I couldn't do anything to stop it? And I didn't understand. But a year later, I met God. I was at a youth camp. And some of you know my other parts of my story is I didn't have it. My father wasn't in my life. And so now I'm at youth camp and someone shares the gospel with me. 
and I encounter God. And so after I encountered the Lord and he started changing my life and making all things new in me, I said, I want to give my life to help people not go through what my family went through. I want people to not take their own lives. I want people to not struggle with mental illness. This is not, cannot be so. And so I didn't have all the revelation we have now. And so I began dedicating my life to psychology. I had this plan. I was going to become um, a psychologist. I was going to open my own practice and I was going to help as many people as possible. I worked really, really hard. I got a Fulbright scholarship to the university and I ended up getting my bachelor's degree at 20 years old and was gonna go to my master's program. Now Tom and I got married and so many things happened in this time and then all of a sudden we're in Burkina Faso and I can't make sense heads or tail of why in the world did I have this burning desire to help people with mental illness and then now I'm a missionary in Burkina Faso and I don't know what's going on with my life. And, um, but I remember the whole time I was in school, I had made a decision not to go on. Tom knows we would talk about it, but I remember being in school and I was a believer obviously at this time and I remember sitting in all my psychology classes and I was like, I, this just isn't the answer. That's all I knew. I just knew that what I was reading was not what I was reading in here. I didn't, I couldn't reconcile the two. I'm like, Jesus says he gives peace. He says he makes all things new. He says that he just would read the scriptures and read the scriptures and read the scriptures. And I'm reading my textbooks and I'm like, you're telling me that the only solution is maybe medication will work. And then people, the side effects from the medication and then all of this stuff. And I would sit there and I would just, I was in turmoil inside of myself. This, this can't, this isn't the answer. But I didn't know what the answer was. And so as the Lord took us on a journey all around the world to do different things. And as you guys know, most of our story um, to a place in which we needed freedom ourselves. I would read the scriptures and read the scriptures. And as a Christian, you guys heard my stories. I was sick. I was on uh, medication for anxiety, um, depression. I had ups and downs, my, um, which you know, I was just told was probably just my lot in life that I would have bipolar like the rest of my family. And I struggled and knew that it wasn't for me, but I didn't know how to be free or healed. And I just would try and I'd read my word and I'd pray. But I didn't know how real Jesus was. And that he really is what he says he is. Until, um, as you guys know our story, when Romeo came and he delivered us, and we realized that there were demons and that some of our problems were these horrible demons <laughs> that needed to be kicked out of our life. And man, it was the best news ever. But it didn't fix everything. There was still stuff going on that I knew still when I would read the word, I knew that there was a solution to my problem in Jesus, but I didn't know how to fix the disconnect. And one day, we, I had this girl that needed ministry, deliverance, and Jared came over, we called Jared. We said, Jared, we need help. We don't know what to do. I'll never forget, because the mom and the daughter came in, 
with a stack of papers from their psychologists and said, here's what the doctors say is wrong with my child. Can you help? And I'm like, oh, dear Jesus, I don't know what to do. And I'll never forget, because Jared got on his knees, this little girl, and he said, let's close our eyes. I want you to go back to like, I don't know how he said it, but to the, maybe the worst memory, whatever, there was an incident that happened that we already knew about. I can't remember how at all. And she went back into this trauma and he invited Jesus to come into this trauma. And he spoke truth to her and encountered her. And she received healing and wholeness and deliverance in her soul. And I remember I was sitting there and I literally was weeping before the Lord like this is the answer of what I've been looking for all my life. And Tom felt the same way in his own story because this is what Tom experienced on the ground when he got saved for months as God would come to him and bring up memories and Jesus would enter into those wounds and those memories and he would speak truth and he would take things from him and heal his heart. So both Tom and I are sitting there and we're like, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. I knew in the depths of my soul that this was what Jesus came to do. But we went on a journey from there. Obviously, we went through inner healing ourselves, and we are still going through healing. And oh my gosh, the things that I read and hear have become more and more true every single day. And for somebody who struggled with anxiety her entire life, when you feel peace for the first time, there is nothing. When you meet the God of peace, when you were told about him your whole life, but you never met him, you never knew him, but you read about him and you knew there was something wrong. It changes everything. And then I've met the God who sees me. You know, all the names of God, they're real. But they're meant to be encountered, not read about. But I didn't know that. I would read about him, but I hadn't encountered him. And so people wouldn't, you know, we started obviously ministering to ourselves ministering to each other, receiving healing. We immediately started ministering to every person who came into our living room. And, you know, it's funny how <laughs> um, people would say, well, where is this in the Bible? And that was always a question. So Tom and I went on a journey to really study all of this because people came up against us for everything we were doing, deliverance, healing, you know, uh, now inner healing it was you know we, the, the term used for Jesus coming and healing your hearts the inside out part it's the inner healing inside not just our bodies but our inside being healed that's that's the term for it he we want him to inner heal us and so we started studying and studying the word and you know many of you have heard Tom's kingdom message in Isaiah 61. And we've heard this message so many times, but I want to preach it today in a new way, through the lens of healing, inner healing. Because what I look around and I see in our body, like as a big church, not just our church, but 
I, I look around and I don't see faith in Jesus for this. Do we know that every part of our heart, Jesus came to heal? Do we have faith for it? Or do we only believe him for the forgiveness of our sins? Maybe for deliverance, maybe for these things. But do you know he came to touch every part of your heart? To make you sound in your mind to give you a sound mind and to heal every pain and every sorrow that you've ever experienced so you can enjoy his peace. That's what he paid for on the cross. And so when we read Isaiah 61, and you guys know this, I'm going to read it again, but I want you to listen with fresh eyes. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes and an oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. It continues on, it's so good, but the everlasting joy that shall be theirs. People would prophesy to me, you're gonna have joy, but I didn't know where it was until I met Jesus. Matthew 121. So Isaiah 61 is a prophecy about what Jesus said he would come to do. So if we go to Matthew 121. Oh my goodness. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which is Yahweh's salvation. That's his name. For he will save his people from their sins. But that word save there is the Greek word sozo. He came, and the word sozo is saved healed, delivered, made whole. His entire purpose was to come and make us whole. And somehow that results in our sins being removed. <laughs> that that would save us from our sins. I feel like a lot of times we try not to sin, but without being sozoed. But when we're whole, we don't sin. That's why he came to sozo us, so we don't have to sin anymore. <laughs> because all of our sin comes from brokenness. All of our things in our life, the way we behave, our you know, anger and, and all these things that people might do, even to the worst things, come from their brokenness. Jesus knew that the only way to really 
people to walk in the spirit and the righteousness was not just to save them for eternity, but was to save them, to sozo them. They go hand in hand. In Luke 4, if we turn there, I don't know if anyone can put the scriptures up while I'm communicating. It'd be um, probably helpful for people. Luke 4. This is where Jesus, he comes into the temple and he declares and speaks over himself in Luke 4.18. He then speaks. All right. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he quotes Isaiah 61 and he declares, this is why I've come. I've come to make broken things whole. I've come to heal you. I've come to lift your burdens. I've come to take your pain and your sorrow away. I've come to remove your sins and give you the forgiveness of sins. And we know from the kingdom message that we preach here that this is all a foreshadowing and the kingdom of God in its fullness is told us to us in Revelation 21. And so if you turn to Revelation 21, verse two through four, Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand and lives within us. And we know from the Lord's prayer, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as we always preach, is there any demons in heaven? No. Is there any sickness in heaven? No. Is there any sorrow there? No. Is there mental illness there? their depression there. He says, I can't even see my Bible. (laughs) Mm. Okay. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and he shall be his people, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And that's, it is good news. It's the best news. And it's for now. Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. It lives within you. He dwells in us. And he came to sozo our hearts and take away our pains. And as I would study this in and really look and see, okay, I believe, I understand. This is what you came to do. But Lord, you know, it'd be so easy if he just gave us, like, if there was a book in the Bible that was like, and here's how you do these things. Wouldn't that be great? Here's, 
Step one for praying for the stick, sick. Step, cast out demons. Here's how you do inner healing. Here's how you do these things. I think many people understand that God can do these things, but I think, as with many things, they think that he can do it sovereignly, like God can heal, he can deliver, he can heal your hearts. But we're kind of like, as we know it, so-so, but he also can. We can lay hands on people and take authority and people can be healed, right? We can command things out, right? We have authority to do that. Well, that means that we also can be ministers of inner healing, right? They're all the same things. He said, I want you to do the ministry that I was doing. And then the question is, well, where was Jesus doing this? We have a lot of examples of deliverance. We have a lot of examples of people being healed. But where, but where are the examples of him healing people, inner healing? This was my question to him. Jesus, I got to know. People want to know if what we're doing by presenting Jesus to people's pain, where is that in the Bible? Where can I, what can I show them? What can I say to them? Oh. <laughs> and he spoke to me. You want to hear what he said? He's <laughs> calling upon his name, Lord. Show me in the word where what we're doing by presenting Jesus to bring in our healing to people is here. I've been so wrecked by this. He says, it's me. I'm the one who heals. So he said, look at the scriptures again every passage and every story, when I present myself to people and I come to them and I see them and I speak to them, I'm sozoing them. He said, it's my presence, it's me. Every story in here is an example of Jesus presenting himself to people. He's like, I would enter into their pain and I would meet them at the well and I would come to them and I would say, I'm here. His presence to them in the moment would speak to them and it would heal them. The whole Bible is the presenting of Jesus. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? So what we're doing when we're ministering and are healing, is we're bringing Jesus to them in the way that he did it in the flesh. And they're experiencing him the same today as they did then. Because Jesus is alive. And he's still presenting himself to us and coming to us in the most broken parts of our hearts and touching us. Do you know that he touched lepers, people with leprosy? Do you imagine how brokenhearted someone with leprosy was when nobody could touch them? We're missing what he's doing here. Every person he prayed for, do you notice how he did it differently? There's not one story or one thing that he did the same. 
Some people he would touch, some people he would speak, some people, he did it all differently. Because Jesus knew exactly what they would need in that moment to receive everything he wanted to give them. By touching them, their rejection was healed. Imagine how rejected the woman that was bleeding for 12 years felt. In the old law, if you were bleeding, you were unclean. You couldn't go to church. You couldn't have sex with your husband. In most, I mean, in worst case scenario, she might not have even been allowed in her home for 12 years. They had a place outside the city for people to go that were bleeding. 12 years of being alone. But then Jesus showed up. <laughs> and it doesn't say that she was healed. It says she was sozoed, is the word. She received everything that Jesus had for her. Luke 8 with the demoniac. Jesus, do you know that Jesus went all the way across that sea on boat to find one man? Just one man. A man who was so demonized, they had him chained. Do you know this is real day stuff? There are people that are chained up in mental institutions right now that need Jesus. And Jesus paid for them to be completely made well. But do we believe it? Do we even have faith for that? Jesus went across the sea to find one man and prays for him and delivers him. And the word there, when it says he was made well, is sozo. It said he was sitting there in his right mind, so much so that the fear of the Lord, fear overtook the entire area, so much so they asked Jesus to leave. I mean, granted, they lost their entire livelihood and their livestock, but the town madman, who everyone knows is crazy, Everyone knows, lives in the graveyard. All of a sudden, the entire town sees him dressed and in his sound mind and made well. He received salvation. That is salvation. Salvation wasn't meant to just be a one-time event where you get your sins washed away. Salvation is a person. And as we encounter him in each of his facets, he heals different parts of our souls. As we bring our pain and our sorrow to him, he takes it away. I'll never forget this moment. I was just crying out to the Lord. There was a moment where I just didn't feel seen. And I was calling out, praying to the Lord. I knew it was a pain in my heart. I knew it was from something I had experienced as a child and, you know, that they just made me believe that that was true. But anyways, and all of a sudden the Lord has me go and read the story of Hagar, but this time it was alive. He said to me and spoke to me, I'm the God who sees you. And in that moment, my heart, because my heart was breaking and I came to God with it, I said, Lord, my heart hurts. I don't feel seen, God. And he came and presented himself to me and said, I'm the God who sees you. 
And that pain was removed out of my heart. This is our God. He presents himself to us. And he can do that each and every day. And he wants to. He wants to take away our sorrows and our pain. He wants to encounter us. But I feel like... Um, We have to come to him. The woman with the bleeding for 12 years, I just want to read that story because there's certain parts of it that really touch me. It's Luke 8, 48. starting 840 says so when it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him for they were all waiting for him and behold there came a man named Jarius and he was a ruler of the synagogue and he fell down at Jesus's feet and begged him to come to his house for he had only one daughter about 12 years old and she was dying but as he went the multitudes thronged him now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him, master, the multitude throng impress you and you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she saw that she was seen, <laughs> she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well, which is the word sozo. Go in peace. And Matthew tells that version of the story. And I believe it says that she knew if she could only touch him, she'd be made well. And you see how he says, your faith has made you well. This has kind of been a little bit sometimes a touchy subject in the church of like, do you need faith to be healed? Do, you, you know, do I not have enough faith? Is that why I'm not healed? Have you guys ever heard that maybe theological argument before or heard that? What we've always said is that all you need is a faith of a mustard seed, which we've always told people means you have to come to him. That's all the faith you need is come for prayer. Just coming is faith. You can't be. That's why people without faith aren't healed because they don't come for prayer. Does that make sense? 
If you have faith to be delivered, it means you ask for deliverance. If your heart's hurting and you have faith that you can be made well, you ask for wellness in your soul. And this is both by coming to Jesus privately and in your own time with him, and also coming to ministers to help you if needed. And this was something that I want to share. How many of you guys know the passage in James 5, where it says, I want us to turn there. James 5.13. There's a whole block of passage right here. Now I've heard pieces of this quoted multiple times about coming to the elders when you're sick, right? When I read this when we were in St. Martin, and I was really talking to the Lord about the scriptures around this, I want you to read this. I'm gonna read this passage, but I want you to read it in the context of Isaiah 61. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. But that word save is actually sozo. He will sozo the sick, the sick in body, the sick in the soul, the sick of sin, those sick with death. He will sozo the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. This was interesting to me as I was reading this because all of a sudden, just the Lord was revealing to me that this was the passage. You know, James was a pastor in Jerusalem. It's also an apostle, but he was one of the most pastoral. It's called like, the book is all very pastoral. He met with so many people. And he wanted to make sure that we knew that the ministry of Jesus, of how that could look and function in the church today. That Jesus says, if you are suffering, if, you, if you're suffering, if you're sick in your soul and your body and your spirit, Come. And what just really hit me here was, and I don't know if you, in your Bible, my, my Bible has the word effective, starred, and bolded. And I was like, that's interesting. I want to read this. Effective. I want to be effective, don't you? Yeah. I think we've all experienced ineffective prayers. <laughs> but this says we're supposed to have effective, fervent prayers. So in the Greek here in my word wealth in my spirit-filled Bible, it says that the Greek word is effectual. It says to work, be at work, be operative, be effective, to avail. And it continues on and says, and have to do with the active operation or working of power and its effectual results. 
prayer is supposed to work. (laughs) But do we come for the healing? Do we come to Jesus with all of our burdens? Do we come to him with all of our pain, all of our sicknesses? Have we yet begun to be tired of going back and forth to the doctors for them not to be able to help us? Have we reached our end to a place in which we believe that Jesus is the answer and the solution to all of our brokenness? Because the people that came to Jesus in which he says your faith has made you well, it's because they knew that Jesus was the answer to what their brokenness was. Do we really believe that God came to sozo us? And why do we keep holding the pain in our heart? Why don't we let him in? Many of you and some of us have, and there's certain areas that we haven't. We're all in a process of this. But I meet many people that think, I don't, I don't want to go back to my past. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to talk to Jesus about it. I don't want to let that go. I don't want to forgive. I don't want to deal with that. Can I just move forward? Can't I just move forward with my life and all things be made well? Jesus, I don't, didn't think so. When he encountered the woman at the well, I find this encounter so interesting. He says to a woman, which he's not supposed to talk to, one, a woman who'd been mistreated, I'm sure, by every man she ever met. He walks up to her and says, give me a drink. How many of that would that just trigger us just right off the bat? A man walks up to you and says, give me a drink. Then he says, where's your husband? (laughs) How provoking. How triggering. He wanted to talk to the broken woman. He wanted to talk to the one who had been abused by five women, men. Not the one that was holding it together at the well, pretending like she was okay. He intentionally said, I want to talk to the woman who's, yes, that's true, you've had five husbands. I came here for her. He didn't ignore her past. He brought up her past because he's the solution to her past, because he's the man that she's been waiting for. And he says to her, I am he. I am the one you've been waiting for. But we got to deal with all that because what you said is true. You've been so hurt. I'm ad-libbing here a little bit, but I know what his presence does. Do you think that the only thing she was hearing and experiencing was what's written here? Do you not think that when he said that, all those memories were not coming back up to her mind? All that pain and all that suffering 
And then Jesus says to her and presents himself to her into all of her past and says, I'm the one you've been waiting for. I'm the Messiah. And you'll never thirst again or hunger again for love. What was she searching for? Love. And he says and comes to her, I'm the one that will make you never thirst again. What's the thirst in her case? She just wanted to be loved. Jesus lives outside of time. So for us, we break our things into time, like that was in the past, now I'm now, then there's the future. Why do you think God can prophesy into the future and make things, make things happen? But we don't believe that he can prophesy into our past and make things new. He wants to encounter us in our past so he can make ash, beauty from ashes. He wants to speak to the broken one, not the one that might be sitting here right now acting like you're all okay. He triggered her intentionally. I know him. And have you ever had him do that to you? He'll bring something up, remind you of something. How many times have you said, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to go there. We've got to trust Jesus to be the salvation of our souls, the one who makes us well and gives us peace. The church needs to restore our faith that God gives us a sound mind and peace and shalom in our hearts once again. And we have to come to Jesus with our pain. The whole concept when we do in our healing is that's why we have people go back is so the pain comes up so Jesus can come in and heal the pain and he takes it away. Where's that in the Bible? It is the Bible. It is Jesus. It's what he did. He walked about to and fro presenting himself into people's situations and he made everything new and he's still doing that today in your life right now. And it doesn't matter if it happened 20 years ago, 50 years ago or yesterday. When he comes and shows up, he enters outside of time and he speaks the truth to that part of you and the truth sets you free and you have the power to give him the pain that you've been holding on to. Because you don't, he, is, he doesn't want you to take those burdens anymore. He died to take your burdens. He died to take that pain. He died to take the rejection and the abandonment and the embarrassment and the lies and, the, and everything that you, everyone's story is so different in this room. I don't know which story you are in the Bible. I don't know if you're Zacchaeus. I don't know if you're the tax collector. If you're the woman caught in adultery. Look at what he did to her when he found her. <laughs> he lifted her up and healed her, had an encounter with her so deep that when he saw into her soul, he said, go and sin no more. He came to sozo us so we could sin no more but it's only an encounter with him face to face where it has the power to really do that where we actually give him the pain and not hide it from him. We give him our sin and not hide it from him because all of our sin is just from our brokenness. That's why he doesn't treat it by punishing us. He treats it with his love because he knows if you will really receive his love, you won't do it anymore. Today, right now, 
which story resonates with you? Sometimes I'm weary and I can come to him and he makes me strong. Sometimes I feel sad and I can come to him and he gives me joy by giving him my sadness. I want each and every one of us right now to close your eyes. I just believe that Jesus is here today, right now, to encounter you and meet you. But we have to trust him and open our hearts to him, open different parts of our hearts that we haven't yet given him. Some of you, you've given him a lot of your heart, but there's still these spots that haven't yet been entrusted to him. I want you to imagine yourself opening up your hearts to him, lifting out the pain that's been there lurking around that you've been holding on to. And I want you to surrender it to Jesus. And I want Jesus to come to you. I want you to picture him because he's coming to each and every one of you right now. You might feel his presence. You might see him. You might hear him. But as you let him in, you have to give him those burdens. Give him those weights. Give him those pains and those sufferings. And let him take it from you. So he can sozo you. Just lift up your hand if you have one of those, you're in one of those places right now where you need Jesus to come. Just lift up your hand. Okay. Well, Jesus, we just invite you now to come. We invite you to come, Jesus. They're hurting and they're in need, Jesus. I ask that you come now. I want you to look for Jesus, find Jesus. In that memory, I want you to look around. You find where he's at. He's there. He's Emmanuel. He's always there. I want you to find him. I want you to identify with the main emotion you're experiencing in this memory. Do you feel rejected? Do you feel hurt? Do you feel unseen? What, what's the main emotion you're feeling? I want you to connect with that emotion so that Jesus can take it. Jesus, I ask that you speak the truth to them about what they're feeling. Do they need to feel this anymore? Jesus, what was going on? Will you give them a word that will set them free? How do you view them, Jesus?
can hear his voice. Just wave at me if you heard Jesus speak something to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So Jesus, they don't have to hold on to this anymore. I want you to go ahead and say, I break the curse of, and then whatever that main emotion was. If it was rejection, just say, I break the curse of rejection. I don't have to feel rejected anymore. He says, I'm chosen. Whatever that main emotion is. And there's oftentimes someone that you need to forgive. Jesus, should they forgive this person connected to this memory? Lord, will you give them the grace to forgive? If there's someone in your memory that needs to be forgiven, I want you just to look at them. I want you to see them there. And from your heart, just say, I forgive you. I release you. I know you were just hurting yourself. You were hurting in your own heart, and that led you to hurt me. I know you didn't mean to. I forgive you. I want you to just look at that person and forgive them. I want you just just ask the Lord to forgive you for holding on to that for so long, that unforgiveness. Just say, Lord, forgive me for holding them. When you didn't hold me, you forgave me. For, forgive me for, for this, Lord. Any part you have in it, just say, Lord, forgive me. I want you to say this. Say, any protector connected to this memory and this event. Go be with Jesus. Jesus, take this protector. I want to see you and Jesus just get up. I want you to see Jesus lay his hand upon you. And as he does, he's going to release the healing power of his spirit into your heart to bind it up. And as he does, I want you to see, however old you were in that memory, I want you to see you grow to be the age you are now as he does this. It's a sign of that little younger part of you actually being healed and absorbed into the real core you, the one who's here this morning. Jesus, I ask that right now you bind up their hearts. to see him as he lays his hand as his healing power touches that younger part of you that younger part's going to grow and become the age that you are now I want you to see that and I want to see you in Jesus once that happens leave the memory just walk away you don't have to stay there just leave the memory and when you have left that memory you can open your eyes Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
can do that just anytime you want. <laughs> Get up in the morning and put on some worship music and begin to praise and read your word and have a time with Jesus. And when you know he's there and you begin to realize you're struggling with something in that season, something you just can't get over. Maybe it's a sin you feel like you keep going back to or just a heaviness you keep feeling in your soul. Just you want joy, but it seems like it's just right out of your grip. And you're just like, why do I feel so heavy? Why do I feel anxious? Why do I feel? You can just get quiet. Turn your gaze towards Jesus and just say, would you bring up, Lord, the root of this? Where is this coming from? Or is this something connected to my past? Is there something that's holding me in my past that's currently causing me to feel the spirit of heaviness or anxiety or fear or whatever it is? And let him bring it up. He'll do it. He'll do what he did for the woman at the well. He'll see you back where the pain came in. And he'll bring that up. And when he does, you can just do what connect with the main emotion, pain, rejection, worthlessness. The woman at the well might have felt just worthless, unloved. And Jesus is there. And what does she run off and say? Come and meet the one who told me everything I ever did. She was seen in every, she, in a sense, she could see him in every memory. Oh, he was there. He knows it all. Come, meet him. And there was revival in that place, that old town, had a taste of Jesus. They didn't want him to leave. Another revival happened there when Philip showed up. Same place. He preached the gospel of the kingdom in the name Jesus. And it says the lame walked and the demon eyes were delivered and even the sorcerers threw down their sorcery and ran to Jesus. The one who told them everything they ever did and still loved them. So connect with that main emotion. It might bring you to a memory where you felt unloved, rejected, whatever it is. Felt just under such despair you didn't know what to do. Connect with that main emotion. Identify what it is. Ask Jesus, what's the truth about this? How come I'm feeling this? Is this is it, should I still feel this? Or what was going on? And he'll speak the truth to you. And then I always just have, I'll just always say, I break the curse of whatever it is, rejection, whatever it was I was feeling in my heart, and say, Jesus, I don't need this. I might see myself hand him something that says rejection or something that symbolizes in that memory rejection, whatever the memory, whatever the main emotion was, and say, I don't need this. Thank you, Jesus. I have you. And ask him to heal my heart. And oftentimes you'll feel a release. And then see myself kind of not be that whatever, eight-year-old anymore. See myself after he brings healing. See the real me. I'm no longer that eight-year-old who's holding that. I'm free. I'm healed. And see myself leave that memory. But then afterwards, I'll just command anything that is demonic or unclean that's been trying to work through that pain. The enemy will work through our pain. He'll come in and find access. Oh, you feel rejected? Yeah. And he'll start to highlight people's actions to you. Oh, yeah, it's because you're rejected. They don't love you. And he'll work through that pain 
to get you to agree that you're rejected so that he can do whatever he wants. So when we get healed, I always go through a moment to say, anything unclean that came in through this trauma, this pain, leave me now. So let's go ahead and do that. You can stand up. I like to fight on my feet. Go ahead and say, every unclean thing that came in through this pain, you don't belong to me. I renounce you. I bind and I rebuke you. And in the name of Jesus, I command, leave me now. Leave me now. Whatever that main emotion was, you can just say, you spirit that caused this, leave me now. Leave me now. Leave me now. I belong to Jesus, not you. Leave me now. Every unclean thing working against my life. Leave me now. You don't belong to me. Get out of my life. Leave me now. In Jesus' name. Lord, fill me with your peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you were blessed and encouraged. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel for more amazing content.